Welcome to Bayou Business Download, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership where we dive into the data and analytics influencing the region's economy. Today is Friday, July 16th. I'm your host, AJ Mastretta, and I'm joined as I often am by Patrick Jankowski, Senior Vice President of Research here at the Partnership. Today, we're going to talk about the employment picture here in the Houston region as the economic recovery continues. We'll look at the jobs added and in which sectors, while also discussing what the rest of the year is likely to look like. Patrick, thanks for joining me today. AJ, it's always good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Patrick, we're speaking, as I said, on July 16th, and I understand the Texas Workforce Commission released its estimates of employment for the month of June just today. What did we learn from those numbers this morning? Okay, yeah, AJ, these these numbers are, are, they used to say, hot off the press. They're about five hours old. So we know that in June, we created 6,500 jobs. It's a little bit below what we'd normally create in a June, but it's still a healthy number. And if you look at the, the long-term average for, for June, we have actually used to create about 9,000 jobs. Uh, if you want to put that in a year-to-date number, uh, that means year-to-date, we've created 48,600 jobs. That is really healthy growth for the region over, over, over that period. And if you want to expand it well and figure out how well have we done since the uh, end of the pandemic, since we started reopening the economy, uh, we've created 213,500 jobs. I mean, mm. it's, a, it's a really good number. Now, I, I know that people are listening to this podcast. It's kind of hard to, to visualize numbers, but just if you want to put it in an easy number to figure out, we've created over 200,000 jobs since the end of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, putting that in perspective, you know, on an average year, Houston creates what? Oh, in an average year, a year in which we're not being uh, juiced by high oil prices or, or dragged down by low oil prices, uh, we would create uh, between sixty and 70,000 jobs. So we are, have already gotten about two-thirds of the jobs that we might expect to get, and the year's only half over. If you look at how we expect the year to finish up, you know, on average, for the second half of the year, we'll create anywhere between thirty or 40,000 jobs. We're expecting to see maybe a little bit of, a, uh, of an acceleration in the fall as all the federal employment benefits play out. So we're probably looking at adding at least another 30,000 jobs this year. Uh, we could add another 50,000 jobs. So that could put us anywhere between adding between 80 and 100,000 jobs for Houston. And that's for the Houston metropolitan area in 2021. And that would actually be a very strong year because uh, it would be uh, one of the better years for Houston. And it's a, it's a better year because we're getting the benefits of the reopening of the economy. No, it makes sense. So Patrick, given that, how far are we along in the actual recovery? Okay, we have gotten back about 60% of the jobs that we've lost. We still have another 40% to recoup. Uh, that is about the middle of the pack. If you look at where we fall among the nation's largest metropolitan areas, uh, we'd like to say they were leading the pack, but no, we're, we're right in the middle of the pack. A little bit of a concern, though, that some of the job growth may slow. I know I said that we should finish up the end of the year strong. That's probably the that's the normal growth. But there are a couple sectors which are holding us back. Mm. And those are sectors that do raise some concerns. So what sectors are actually doing well and which ones continue to struggle? Well, well think about the sectors which were most impacted by COVID, the sectors that were impacted by social distancing, that you had to wear a mask or you couldn't go out or you couldn't interact. Uh, those sectors were like food and services and drinking places, you know, obviously restaurants and bars, uh, healthcare, retail trade. This, this other services, which is professional services, that's the nail salons, the barber shops, uh, the, the, beauty, the beauty shops and so forth. 
and arts, entertainment, and recreation. Those sectors accounted for about two-thirds of all the job losses early on in the pandemic, about 225,000. Those sectors have gotten back 95% of the jobs they've lost. So, so pretty pretty impactful that they've they've regained so much so relatively quickly. Yeah, and we knew we knew those jobs would come back as soon as we could reopen the economy. We knew we would get these social interaction jobs back once we could get over social distancing. Where my concern is that there are sectors which are still losing jobs. Mm. Uh, if you look at construction, manufacturing, energy, and wholesale trade, initially they lost 50,000 jobs in, in March and April of last year, but they have continued to lose jobs. Uh, they've lost uh, another 27,000 jobs since then. And, and right now they account for a little over half of all the jobs that we still need to, to, to get back to where we were back mm. in February, 2020. And the concern is if you look at energy, because of the transition towards a, a more carbon neutral economy, if you look at the weakness in demand, that's we're not going to get back the exploration and the oil for service jobs. And then that's going to affect the manufacturing jobs. And then that's going to affect the wholesale trade jobs. And so yeah. those are going to be slow to come back. The other sector is construction. And we're definitely seeing a slowdown in office construction. We've only see, we've seen less than a million square feet of office breaks, break ground this year. Uh, we've seen industrial space or warehouse space construction is at less than half the pace it was this time last year. And retail is also softening up retail construction. You know, the, the great boom that we're seeing in housing isn't making up for the loss of jobs in these other sectors. And I'm afraid we're going to see uh, those sectors hold back a full recovery. We're going to see continue to see growth in sectors outside of oil and gas and outside of construction. But those sectors are going to be, a, frankly, a drag on the economy. Patrick, was there anything in the release today that actually surprised you? You know, AJ, one of the things that bothers me, one of the things that I was really concerned about when I looked at the data that was released today was what's been happening with our labor force. I mean, the labor force is defined as those people who are either working or if they're not working, they're looking for work. And so our labor force was about 3.5 million or just shy of 3.5 million prior to the pandemic. It dropped to about 3.2 million, 3.27 during the pandemic, and we're slowly seeing it rise back up. But here we are, we're, we're well past, uh, what's this, 12, 13, 14 months since we've been opening up, and we're still about 70,000 workers shy of where we should be, 7,000 workers shy of where we, we were prior to the pandemic. And that's one thing that's going to weigh on the recovery. It's one reason why people say they can't find workers, but also basic economics, two things that drive the economy. One is workers, and the other is investment. And investment is staying fairly strong, but we're still short on workers. And so this lack of recovery and the workforce, not jobs, but the number of people who are working or the number of people who are seeking work, that's something which is going to be weighing on our growth for a little while. Patrick, the unemployment rate for the metro area was also released today. Tell me what that shows. The un yes, the, the unemployment rate was released today. What we have are what's known as the unadjusted numbers. We won't get adjusted numbers for Houston until next month. But we've actually saw the unemployment rate tick up in June. It went from 6.7% in May to 7.4% in June. We, we always see a little bit of an uptick in the summer, and that's because of the students who are home from school, uh, from teachers who are on less than a 12-month contract, people out there looking for work, so they're counted as unemployed. Uh, but we also saw an uptick in Texas. We saw an uptick in the U.S. What bothers me is that Houston's unemployment rate is above the U.S. rate. 
Mm. It's above the U.S. rate by about 1.3 percentage points. And that shows that our recovery is not going quite as fast as it is elsewhere in Texas or elsewhere in the U.S. Now, hopefully that rate will go down as we continue to create more jobs. But it is you know, higher than we'd like to see. And it's at 7.4% now. And when I say now, that's as of, of June. That's almost double where it was prior to the pandemic, 3.8%. I mean, the Texas unemployment rate 6.6, U.S. unemployment rate 6.1. What that's telling me is that we're not creating jobs quite as fast as the rest of the nation or the state of Texas. And so uh, we're going to be struggling for a little bit longer, I'm afraid. You know, when looking at the unemployment rate, generally speaking, how do you measure the importance of both of, of the jobs picture versus the unemployment rate? I mean, from an economist standpoint, uh, how do you look at both of those in conjunction with one another? They come from two different sources. And when we talk about jobs, the jobs that we come from, something which is known as an establishment survey, and they actually talk to employers and try to find out how many people are on their payrolls this month versus last month. Yeah. And that's how we get the total number of jobs credit. And, it, and it's a scientific selected sampling and they, they do the algorithms and the extrapolation. The unemployment rate is different. The unemployment rate is, comes from something called the current population survey. And what the BLS does, actually Census Bureau does it on behalf of BLS, they call households up and they ask questions about people in the house and they ask the person, are you working? Yes or no. If they say yes, then they're employed and they're part of the workforce. If they say no, then they say, are you looking for work? If they're not looking for work, they're not part of the workforce. Mm. But if they are looking for work, then they're counted as unemployed and they do it. And it's just a basic ratio of how many people who are in the workforce are looking for work. That is so interesting. So we they, they continue to rely on f- but you're saying phone surveys to determine well, well, this type. I, I don't know if they still rely on phone surveys. I think they're doing a lot of it. Uh, Electronically. Electronically. Okay. But it, it's, a, it's a survey of households versus a survey of employers. And that's the reason why when you, when you look at the numbers and you can get a different set of job growth numbers from a household survey than you can from an employer survey. Interesting. Interesting. There's two, two different databases or two different populations that they're surveying and two different methodologies. And I'll, I'll confuse you even more. There's something known as a quarterly census of employment and wages. And that's based on how many people are covered by unemployment insurance. And that comes out quarterly, but there's always a two or three quarter lag. And you can look at that data and that gives you even a still different picture of job growth. Yeah. But but what they do is when you hear me talk about benchmark revisions, what they've done is they've gone and gotten this quarterly census of employment ranges and then just the establishment series based on the QCEW. And so really what we're talking about though, you know, in all of these scenarios, it's really you know, a survey and extrapolation of, of data collected for the big picture. It is not, it is not a, a whole number look at total jobs or total, un- total number of unemployed. Yeah, exactly. That's the reason why when I look at things like data for traffic to the Port of Houston, that's good data because you have to file a bill of lading. There's a document. Right that's associated with that, or auto sales. The guys who put together this stuff on auto sales actually go and pull the records in the Department of Motor Vehicles Yeah, count. This is just uh, how good their survey method is. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, that's the reason why the revisions can sometimes be dramatic. And the challenge is, as economists, we know that the numbers that we get monthly unemployment will be revised, but it's the best data that we have to work with. It's flawed, but it is the best that's available out there. Got it. 
what can we, you know, we, we talked about this before, but can you extrapolate any more on what you expect to see for job growth through the end of the year? You know, you gave us some numbers before. What, what, what else can you tell us? A couple of things. I, I expect to see continued growth in the, the restaurant sector. I continued growth in the retail sector, continued growth in, in healthcare and in personal services. Uh, I expect to see pretty much growth across all sectors, except for the ones that are struggling. Oil and gas, they may add a few jobs, but they're not going to add jobs like we had back in, in 2012 or 2013. Uh, construction, I expect to be flat. If you look at wholesale trade, that'll pick up somewhat as oil and gas picks up somewhat. Uh, so much of what happens in wholesale trade in Houston is to feed the oil and gas business. And as parts wear out, the wholesaler will be delivering to the rig site. So we'll see some growth there. Hotels will start picking up. We're expecting to see some significant increase in that in the fall because uh, people are starting to travel again. And just anecdotally, at the partnership, we're talking about how difficult it is for us to find some of the venues to host our events in the fall because there are lots of in-person events in the fall. Yeah. Uh, finance and insurance, uh, transportation in general are doing well and continue to do well. Uh, the big unknowns is I'm looking at the government sector and it is struggling and I don't understand why. And government, most of the government sector in Houston, or at least two-thirds of it, is related to education. And you would think that with schools opening back up, you would be seeing more growth there. But we didn't see it this last year, and I'm not sure we're going to see it next year. I think they're still under a lot of uh, financial pressures there. Patrick, thank you for joining me for this conversation today. Sure, AJ. I'm always glad to share some insights, and I hope that you're my listeners, that they uh, that they value what we're providing them, and it helps them either to make better decisions or become a little bit more comfortable with the decision they've already made. Awesome. And that's it for this episode of the Bayou Business Download. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so via your favorite podcasting platform or by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. There you'll also find links to recent data and news updates and learn how you can get more involved in the work of the partnership to make a difference in the Houston region. Thanks again for listening to Bayou Business Download.